talking to you out of soul print about um, alter ego. <laughs> Anybody have an ego? Oh, well, okay. All right. Thank you for your honesty. Mm. Heavenly Father, this day, as we sit and stand in your presence, I am so thrilled that we could come together where, where the news in which we hear is not about the dark days, it's about God's days. And it's about what you are doing and what you will continue to do within our lives. We trust you in all matters of our life, Lord. And tonight, with those in this congregation and those of you who are watching us online, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just bring your mind into captivity, if I could say that. That, that there is nothing that would distract you from hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to the body of Christ. Lord, I ask that you would touch my lips with the coals of your altar. I ask, Lord, that I would move aside and the Spirit of God would literally take over and let everything that is said, everything that is heard, everything that is thought of, be filtered through your spirit and bring glory to your name and blessings into our lives. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm glad in the beginning when I asked you about if you had egos. You know your pastor does have an ego issue because I just love standing in front of you and teaching. You know, I just, it is, I get motivated. I could be wore out, tired, exhausted, but get me behind a podium with God's word, and I am energized because the truth sets us free from all of us, even of our weariness and our lives. Uh, someone told me a long time ago, though, they said, compliments is like sweet-smelling perfume. It's wonderful to smell, but deadly to swallow. <laughs> You know, we always want to be cautious in, in what we, you know, what we bring in and we take into our lives. In 2 Samuel, the 6th chapter, verse 22 from the New Living Translation says, Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to, the, um, to be humiliated in my own eyes, but those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am this um, um, uh, distinguished. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> let me let me say something. Is God doesn't do what God does because of us. God does what He is doing in spite of us. So tonight. I, I, I want to talk to you about the benefits of embarrassment. Now, I, I stuck, snuck this out of my house because if I would have told Arlene I was going to do this, she would have blocked me from leaving the house. On a, but, you know, <sighs> Not bad, Karen, huh? Praise the Lord, man. Yeah. Now, it might look foolish, but, but 
But the, but the truth of the matter is, is, is that it really, looking fully sometimes, liberates me because I'm not so focused on trying to be perfectedly perfect. And, and that's what happens is, so I want you to know that embarrassment humbles us and gets us out of the way. In fact, nothing humbles us more than, than being embarrassed. Uh, several, years, several years ago, let me take it off because I don't want to get too warm. And I'm going to keep both of my hair straight here. Several years ago, I was sitting in, in my living room with in my chair and my feet were propped up on a Saturday. I was just... I had a few hours just to relax. I probably was watching a, a college football game, and I get a phone call. And the phone call was, Pastor, are you coming? And I go, coming where? The wedding. I, the couple was not from this church at all. They were outside the church. I totally forgot. I shot out of that chair so fast. I never even even put, when I came back home, the kick and stand the thing for my feet was still up. I just flew out of there. I got dressed in my suit. I'm going down McQueen. I have a police officer here. Is, 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 <laughs> is uh, fast. And not, not one green light. I mean, not one red light. I just got there. I was probably 20 minutes late. But 20 minutes late, an outside wedding in August is eternity. I was so embarrassed. It was something that I never thought I would do, but I did. But, but James says this in James 4, 7. So humble yourself before God. Hmm. In Philippians 2, 3 says, be humble, thinking of others as, uh, as better than yourselves. Mm. And Ephesians 4.2 says, always be humble and gentle. Sometimes when we are embarrassed, we're not always so gentle because we're so upset with ourselves. We become upset with everybody else. But I believe that embarrassing moments really purges our ego. Eliminating all sorts of, well, maybe spiritual impurities. They really help us to see who we are or maybe who we are not. So I believe that embarrassment is one way, uh, is, is, is the dying to yourself because what you want to do is that you want to hide. You don't want anybody to be able to see you. Mark Batterson in his book, Soul Prince, said this, the words... Humor, humiliation, and humility are all related. In fact, humor is a derivative of humiliation. One dimension of humility is the ability to laugh at yourself. Perhaps the happiest and the healthiest and the holiest people in the planet are those who learn to uh, laugh at themselves the most, because uh, if if we if we don't, you know, uh, laughter is is biblical, and, and and the word of God says a merry heart does good 
like medicine. Uh, when when um, I'm, when I get a haircut, uh, I, I I'm humored because I tell the person cutting my hair, "There's something wrong with your lighting," and they go, "What's wrong with it? Every time I come here, my hair is getting whiter." It can't be me, you know. But the truth is, if if we can't laugh at, us, at ourselves, we're in trouble. Trying to avoid embarrassment at times really can be very costly. If you try to avoid awkward situations, you forfeit, forfeit uh, joy. If you try to avoid revealing who you really are, you forfeit, forfeit uh, intimacy. If you try to avoid all risk, you forfeit opportunity. See, we should never allow uh, any kind of fear of embarrassment to get between us and God. We should never be too embarrassed to share Christ. In, in the 12th step I was in tonight, I go in there, and, and I, maybe I, I don't know if I should say it. I, I, I told him, I said, this group is addicting, you know. Because I come in there to just sit for a couple minutes to introduce myself and to just give maybe a word of encouragement to them. And I, I know 40 minutes later, I came out on that because I, I, I love the willingness to be able to share their faith even with their struggles. I heard someone, they made a statement. They says, what do you have? When you have a a alcoholic who accepts Christ, you have a saved drunk. Now I have I have had some friends who were delivered immediately. Now that's a miracle. But but I have known far more that it was a journey in which they have gone through. You see, we should never be too embarrassed to confront friends. Because if I care about you enough, I want to speak the truth, but I want to speak it in love. But, but we got to speak the truth. And here's, here's, here's a policy which I have in doing that and speaking the truth in love. When I need to speak that truth, that means I need to confront that person about an issue in their life. Or, or it's whatever, when I have to deal with the staff sometimes, and there was something done, or I needed to help line them up a little bit, and, and if, if, I, if I speak to them immediately, I'm going to speak out of my emotions. So I wait 24 to 48 hours, because I allow the dust to settle. Then I get a better picture, often, of what actually happened. But I want to speak the truth in love. And I want to walk away from sinful situations and not be embarrassed about it. We, we, we went to a movie several years ago, and, and it, was, it was just a, I think it was a PG-13 movie. Within the first 10 minutes of the movie, I walked out. I wasn't, you know, embarrassed to do that. I just walked out because I said, I cannot allow 
that stuff to go into my, through my eye gate, into my spirit. Sometimes we need to walk away from situations. <coughs> I, I, I've even heard sometimes when, when, when a Christian walks into a group and something was saying oh, that was off color, and, and they say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, then that person, that Christian says, oh, that's okay. No, that's not okay. I appreciate you respecting for what I stand for. So we, we cannot allow being embarrassed to hinder us from doing what is right. Embarrassment actually, actually is a very sound thing in our lives. In these cases, there, there's, there's sometimes that, that um, it's either be embarrassed or participate in sin or be a hypocrite or be disobedient. So being embarrassed really sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And when you line it up with all those other things. In fact, when it comes down to being true to our God, our faith, our very spirit, embarrassment isn't something in which we can avoid. Because I need to take a stand where we are. Um, if we were like David, it would be something uh, to be cultivated in, in our lives. In 2 Samuel 6, 22 says, yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. Hmm. Now, let me lead you to a second benefit of being embarrassed. The second thing is embarrassment for God leads to elevation by God. Hmm. I, I want to read something a portion of, of what uh, was going on in David's life. And, and, and it goes like this. It's David's, uh, it's David's crowning moment. He has defeated the Philistines. He has recaptured the fortress of Zion. He has been anointed as the king of Israel. And now he's bringing home the Ark of the Covenant, back into Jerusalem. Do you understand how big that actually is? And the energy is, is electric, and the expectations of the people are ecstatic. Think, think like this. It would be something like a ticker tape parade on New York City on JV Day, August 14th, 1945. It was that big of a moment. Uh, the, the advisors probably have already scripted out the word, every move. The Secret Service, the people that he would have around him, has secured every intersection. The parade route is marked and the crowd is controlled. Everything is going according to plan, bringing home the Ark of the Covenant. And then David throws the plans out the window. No one saw this coming. In fact, no one wanted to see it coming. David began to disrobe. And it's not a war road malfunction. Mothers don't know what to do, whether they should cover their eyes or run. His staff didn't know whether they should stop him or what. And the collective blush swept across the whole crowd. The king of Israel is down to his linen loincloth. Then 
His majesty starts dancing like a child without a care in the world. Wow. Holding nothing back but pure joy. It's like at that very moment, David endured hiding out in the wilderness all the anger, all the grief, and all the frustration gets translated into this one moment. And he's dancing out of the freedom in which he had. It is like a holy adrenaline from the very victory that he won in the battlefields that gets channeled into that clenched fist in the air, raised in celebration to the Lord. Wow. You know, it's, it's like um, <laughs> when I'm home alone, uh, that, or, or when I'm in my office and just worshiping the Lord and waiting before him, I, I, I want to get up and, and I just want to dance with the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. Because there's times when I'm home, I want to dance with my wife. That, that intimacy, that joy, that love, I get consumed in that. And then here's David, and he's consumed that he's dancing before the Lord. His gestures may be awkward, but they're authentic. No one sure is sure what to think. No one is sure what to do. And that includes David's wife. She really wasn't very happy with this. Listen to how she felt. It's in 2 Samuel, the 6th chapter, verse 16. And it says, as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Micah, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. See, in most cases, most people won't really identify with the joy that you may have in the Lord. And why is that? Is that's because the intensity will confront their passivity, their negativism. Some may become inspired by the Lord's work in your life, but others, most times, they would mask it with uh, criticism behind your back. Do you know that 90% of all criticism, criticism is really just uh, defense of a fragile ego? Or maybe jealousy. The very thing that most people criticize others about, they have a problem with themselves. I, um, uh, I don't know if I could, because I really want to like you all. But, but I'm going to ask you this. Is anybody here a Raiders fan, Raiders football team? Oh, I love you all. Not one hand. I don't like the Raiders. And the reason I don't want like the Raiders is usually you don't like something in which you are. I hate the way they play. They play mean, hard-nosed I want to break your face football. 
and the Pittsburgh Steelers do that. And I'm from, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. So you don't like what, what they are because that's who often you are. And in, in, in understanding this, David's wife is more than critical for him. She, she, she brought, she was downright, well, snarky. And then let me explain what that actually is. It's feeling vile, disdain, scorn, the state of being despised, dishonored, disgraced towards David. Get the picture? She was not very happy with him. In fact, in 2 Samuel 6, 20, 21 says, When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, How distinguished, uh, how distinguished uh, the, uh, the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like a vulgar person might do. I think she was a little bit... Uh, unhappy. But David retorted back to Michael saying, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father. Ouch. And all of his family. That's you too, honey. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrated before the Lord. This was David's inauguration day. And he had all types of pressure where he was to have bring that dignity once again to the throne. The last thing he needed to do is to disrobe and do a jig around the Ark of the Covenant. That would definitely break down protocol. And believe me, his wife understood protocol because of her dad, King Saul. However, David teaches us something that is extremely important and that God desires to be worshipped. He desires to be celebrated, even if it means being embarrassed. Why is it that that we're not embarrassed when we are at a, a sporting event or even if we're at a, a play, and it was incredible, and, and come, to the, <coughs> excuse me, come to the end, and you stand and shout and yell, bravo, 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 and it keeps going and keeps going. And yet, when we want to come together as a body of Christ to worship and praise him, well, and, uh, and, it's, and it's not that I don't want you to be who you are. I do want you to be who you are. But listen, family of God, you have been created to worship. He created us to be able to do that. And, and by no means, <laughs> please, by no means, I'm asking you to disrobe in all this. Uh, because <laughs> I promise you, I, I probably would be ushering you out. And it's, it's, but this, the, the significance of that is that disrobing was taking off what, what he was identified as. He didn't want to be identified and looked on just as the king. He took that off. Why? Because he wanted, well, to be nothing 
so God could be everything. Is, is that in, in that 12 step, they, they, they introduce themselves, my name is so-and-so, I am an alcoholic. And they really, in that group, they don't have to do that. Is, is that they could say, I am recovering from, or, or whatever. But, but I love the transparency. So Bob asked, I was asked, okay, you know, you want to say something, Pastor? I says, yes. My name is Tom, and I am a recovering sinner. Because I haven't arrived yet. There's always room to improve. In understanding that, I want to take off everything that I have as I look at as with pride. My accomplishments, my position, my, my whatever it may be. And, and, and so that only thing is left is Christ. That I may decrease and that he may increase. You see, in 1 Peter 5, 6 says, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. I want him to lift me up, not myself, not my deeds, not my accomplishments, not my titles. I want, I want God to bring glory to who I am because it's in him I do all things. And, and David was reminding ourselves is that we, we, we live in a world that has opinions on everything. We, we live in a society that, that, that looks at people by what they drive, the home they live in, the clothes they wear, the position they hold. I, I often wonder, why, do, why would politicians ever want to be a politician? It's not worth the money except the power. And it's that pride. And, I'm, and believe me, I'm not saying every politician is, is prideful. I'm, I'm sure that there are good, faithful followers of Christ in that group. I just wish there were more in that group. But, but the idea is it's none of those things. It's who I am in Christ. So your identity is based on who you are or whose you are. Is your identity based on what you could do for Christ or what Christ has done through you? Is your security found in the things that you have or in the relationship in which you have in Christ? I believe God is going to take care of us. I'm not fearful of the future because my future is beyond this earth. I know that there were martyrs in the world, and there are martyrs today who are taking a stand for Christ and are being, well, martyred. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that at that very moment, as in Hebrews says, but for a better resurrection... Because in that resurrection that I have in Christ, this life in which we are enjoying, maybe not totally right now, 
But what but this life that we have is only the front porch of what God has for us for all eternity. None of this is really gonna matter. I, I used to think, I hate the idea that I would, would see Arlene in heaven and not really recognize her as my wife. That title position. Because as great of the intimacy of marriage, there, there is nothing greater in a relationship here on earth than a relationship between a husband and a wife. But in heaven, that relationship that I will have with her, that, that relationship as a husband and wife here on earth will be so far below that intimacy and that love and that understanding that I will be able to have with her that is, well, even this doesn't compare. And I put, we put so much emphasis upon this. That is, says, Lord, let your will be done. No matter what it will be. But I'm trusting in him. And when I allow that ego of my position to be disrobed from me, then I allow Christ to put on his robe, his righteousness, his covering. And all I'm telling you, church, that is a outfit that is tailored, fitted, perfectly done that he has for us. See, discovering your soul print is about finding your identity and your security in Christ alone. Be yourself. Stop trying to hide behind all kinds of, well, altered egos what we have accomplished. And I'm all for schooling, education. I'm, I'm for advancing of positions and jobs. I'm not against any of that stuff. I celebrate that in people's lives. But that's just a side thing in who I actually am. That's what I do. That's not who I am in Christ. And, and you see, when, when we are hiding... We, it's, it's difficult, and, and if we would have the courage to confess, we find that our greatest freedom is having nothing to hide from. When we confess, our feelings of embarrassment are quickly replaced by feelings of relief. Whew. I'm glad I got that out. See, there's an old adage. <laughs> if you is what you aren't, then you aren't who you is. I believe that pride is simply a failure of praise in our lives. The Creator has wired us to worship, and it really isn't a matter if we worship. It's a matter who we worship. Because if I'm not worshiping Him, because I've been created to worship, I'm worshiping something else. So ultimately, all, all identity problems are really worship problems. <laughs> because then when I find myself who I am in him, it really doesn't matter who I am or what I've accomplished or what I've done. Because there is that joy that we are able to have.
in Jesus Christ. God is looking for those who are desperately, desperately looking for him. He's he's looking for some radical people who who are willing to, well, well, drop their nets after they've been fishing all night on the other side of the boat thinking that that's going to make a difference. He's looking for someone who's willing to jump out of the boat to walk on the water. He's looking for people to push through the crowds as a woman did with the issue of blood and she was willing to fall at his feet to just touch the, the, his robe. He's looking for someone who will chop a hole through a roof for a friend. He's looking for some little guy to climb a sycamore tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus to do whatever he has to do so he could be a part, be in the presence of an almighty God. God is desperate for us, and he's looking for those who, well, will be desperate for him. See, protocol, I like order. I do. I don't think, you know, God does everything in order. But I don't want it to become a ritual. Jesus is looking for authentic worship. People who find their identity and their security in Jesus Christ. And when I allow my self-made ego to prevent me from doing that, I'm sinning. But when I allow that ego to be altered, I am proud to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I am, I am well humbled, yet proud to be counted as one of his children. I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing in a chaotic world in which we are living in. <coughs> This Sunday, I'm I'm going to be speaking about the shepherds, the shepherd men, and and how they seize the moment. Oh, church, as as I was putting the finishing touches on it so I could send it to Erica and she would get all the PowerPoint all ready for it, that, that we do here behind me or up online, is that I was excited because God wants us to be in the moment. He doesn't want us to be fearful of of the past or of the future. He wants us to seize this moment. And when I allow this, this relationship that I have with him, when I don't allow to be fulfilled by seizing that moment and not allowing my ego, my position, what others may think, to hinder me from worshiping him, well, I begin to grow because there is that intimacy of a relationship with him that is like none other. One final note that the author of Soul Prince says this, Have you ever felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to say something or do something that seems less than safe? I have. When I left a very high-paid position 
to enter into the ministry. It was lunacy. Because I went from pretty good income to absolute poverty. But it was a journey. My, my, my first year of ministry, even though my budget never, well, was never set up to pay all the bills because they, I didn't make enough. But after every week and end of every month, every bill was paid. My first year of ministry, making $75 a week, Arlene and I went on a journey to Jerusalem. We went to Egypt, then to Jerusalem. I'm making $75 a week. There was, there was no way possible that we would ever have enough money to go on that journey that God provided. We took a whole week's salary for spending money, $75 for that. I think it was a week and a half or two-week journey that we were on. $75 wouldn't be enough to buy the, you know, the soda that we would want to get. But God's provision is that when, when we allow him to be a part of our lives, is that even making those crazy decisions, God says, I'm going to give you the thrill of your life. Have you ever wrestled with the conviction and the conversation that you may have been having with the Holy Spirit? Has the Spirit of God ever conceived in you something that seems <laughs> absolutely crazy? Hmm? See, I'm really jealous of some of you, you know. Has the common denominator is always awkwardness. Doing the will of God is almost always accompanied by feeling of awkwardness, uncertainty, and unreadiness. You won't just feel like you're crazy. You'll probably look crazy to those well, who haven't heard what God is actually saying to you. Isn't that how David looked? His wife thought he's lost his mind, his dignity. His staff thought he's lost his mind. But that's when you need to, well, swallow your pride. And if you don't, your heart hardens and your soul really suffers. But if you do, one of those small steps, it becomes a giant step for the destiny in your life. So what I say is to take off those royal robes that hinder you from worship and allow that destiny of risk-taking, even embarrassment, take over. And, and, and let me say this, okay? One more thing. Don't forget to laugh at yourself along the way. It's okay. No. Someone told me years ago, they said, Tom, don't, don't take yourself so serious. And I said, why not? He goes, because no one else does. <laughs> no, I don't do things to embarrass myself to be seen or to be foolish. 
But there's those times when I am going to take that stand for Christ and I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to disrobe anything that is not of God on me and allow that purity of Christ to begin to flow through us and even in the midst of what we have no clue what tomorrow may hold. In the midst of that, we could begin to dance before him because he is worthy of our praise and worship. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Who else do I need? No. Because Christ alone, church, Christ alone. But here's the beauty of this. He's never asked you to do this journey alone. He allows us to have, invite people to be a part of our life, family, spouses, children, friends, a congregation, to come together to worship him here in the sanctuary and there online. Because in Christ, there is nothing that, is, that separates us. Now, if he's not separating us from him, in Christ, nothing's separating us from each other. Here in this sanctuary and there online. We are together, my friends, as a body of Christ. Let's celebrate that. Let's dance before him. Let's worship him in spirit and truth because he is worth it.